Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. So great to have you here today. Now, over the last three weeks, we have been using the lens of chemistry to help open up for us the scriptures, the very, very important messages that are before us in the New Testament. And so I want to see a show of hands, now be honest, those who loved chemistry in high school or college. All right, we have one. Oh, good, we're getting a few more. Awesome. We need people like you. We need people with your passion. I have always been fascinated by chemistry, by the experiments. But when the truth is told, not nearly enough to send me to a chemistry class. I was drawn to other, uh, others of the sciences in school. I never took chemistry. And so when our two male pastors started talking about chemistry and the series is sort of like, shoom, way over my head, this is a foreign language. And even on Thursday, I was saying to Chris as he's trying to explain something to me, my eyes glaze over and I said, foreign language, no understand. Anybody else like that? All right, good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone. I didn't think I was. In our world, and, and again, the beautiful part is you don't have to understand or even like chemistry. You don't even have to spell chemistry for the rest of this series. In our world, in God's amazing creation, and especially in the world of sciences, there are a lot of things that fascinate me. And yet, I don't have to understand them, and I couldn't explain most of them. For example, look at this picture. Yeah, oh wow, it's right. These are birds. They're starlings. I'm fascinated by the beautiful images of the starlings in flight. They form these murmurations, I think is the way to pronounce it, huge groups of starlings that twist and turn and swoop and swirl through the skies in beautiful shape-lifting clouds. Isn't that fascinating and amazing? They will frequently gather just before dusk in small groups over from the same area, and then they will come together over a communal roosting site. The group continues to grow and grow and grow, and they move in unison in aerial dance that casts these glorious shapes against the sky. Now, truth be told, it is truly breathtaking. I can't explain it. I can't explain how they do it. And in fact, many scientists are puzzled by it as well. And yes, I know that this probably has nothing to do with chemistry. It probably has more to do with physics, maybe? Yes, I'm getting some nods. This is good. Um, But the image is there. And we're going to hold on to that image because I want us to revisit it later on in the sermon. This image from science explains and serves as an example of some of the biblical truths that are there for us, helping to teach us just as Jesus used illustrations that were common to his listeners of that day. Now, these past three weeks, 
Ben has set the stage for us as he is in this series. Our focus has been looking at some of the more than 100 one another phrases of instructions in the New Testament. Some were written by Paul to the various early churches of, the, of Thessalonica, Corinth, and others. Some were spoken by Jesus. The instructions were given to his disciples and to his followers, those who would hear it. Pastor Ben also set the stage for us with a very brief chemistry lesson, and I've copied him so that I get it right. It's to help us understand this. In chemical reaction, two or more things are combined to make something new. Sounds pretty simple, right? In cooking, you combine yeast and water, and it makes something brand new. These are the catalysts of which they are in the ingredients that enhance the reactions, bringing better results faster. They can help to speed up the process when combined with something else. The one another instructions call us to healthy, whole relationships, and they can catalyze healthy relationships. They can help us to speed up the process of shaping healthy relationships with others at home, in our workplaces, in our schools, and those in our churches as well. And for others that we encounter on a daily basis or connect with or interact with, that is what we're talking about during this series. The first week as we introduced the series, the focus was on being united to one another, which is a gift from God and something of which we are commanded to work at. Bitter divisions is cancerous to our church. And fully one-third of the one another phrases and verses in the scriptures belong to this being united to one another. In the second week, Ben took us and, and had us look at caring for one another. The needs of, are met when burdens are shared, and we see that played out in our church in so many ways. We are called to comfort one another. We are called to pray for one another. We are called to show hospitality to one another. And then last week, Ben had us focus on being humble with one another putting others' needs above our own, allowing us to demonstrate the humility of Christ to catalyze a community where no one is left behind. Now today, as the theme has already talked about, we are talking about loving one another. We are focusing on that phrase, love one another. In a world that increasingly seeks to divide us, put wedges between us. We have been freed through Christ to love one another. I think about, um, and, and I ask you to think about being able to agree that we don't have to look hard or long to realize that increasingly our culture does seek to label us, to emphasize the things that are different about us, to put us in this camp or in that camp, to think about ways of uh, th th think this way or to think about that way, whether we are conservative or liberal, whether we are black or whether we are brown, whether we're rich or poor, whether we are Swedish or Norwegian, fill in the blanks. The division is there. Now, old-time Swedes and Norwegians truly get that one. The New Testament altogether has over 100 instructions of one another. 
one another instructions. And of those 100, 13 talk about the importance of loving one another. This, so this is not just a one-off command and comment. So let's dive in a little bit and take it more of a closer look. When Jesus was gathered with his disciples in the upper room, he was beginning to prepare them for when his own departure would happen, when he would no longer be able to walk with them here on earth. When he was going to, he was talking about his own death. And so he took this opportunity when he had them all gathered there together, he had their attention, they couldn't go anywhere, to remind them, to review with them, to sum up for them what he had been teaching them, what he had been demonstrating with them and to them during the last three years of his ministry. He wanted to make sure that this was in their mind. He knew what was happening in the next few days. They did not. As Jesus was now preparing them for a time when he could no longer be with them physically, he wanted to make sure that they had captured the most important lessons and instructions that he could possibly give them. We read these words again in John 13, 34. Jesus says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to be and prove to the world that you are my disciples. So what are some of those ways that Jesus demonstrated loving one another? Well, he cut through the cultural barriers of his day. The culture of Jesus' time had multiple very big lines of separation that were drawn between various groups of people and the Jewish community. The Samaritans and the Jews, the division was huge. The Samaritans, or the, the Jewish people and women and children and lepers, there were big, big divisions and lines that were being drawn. The Jewish and the Roman communities, the culture of Jesus' day was intent on othering people, othering each of those that were in those groups of people, the act of marginalizing them, pushing them aside, even dehumanizing them. That was what was going on in Jesus' day. Why? Because they weren't like them. They were different in some way. Each of these groups of people were othered. The Samaritans were despised by the Israelites. They were thought to be half-breeds, and so they were despised people. Women were thought to be unimportant, irrelevant in creation, and so they were dismissed. Children were also thought to be unimportant. They, too, were being dismissed. And the lepers were thought to be unclean and to be isolated. They were cut off from their community, from loved ones. And they were forced, whenever they were out in public, to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that anybody that was coming close to them would be able to keep their distance and take a wide, wide circle. Yet Jesus cut through all of those ways of thinking he cut through the intent of othering them. He was the catalyst for God's love and brought them into the fold, into his teachings, into his followings. He brought the Samaritans, the women, the children, even the lepers, the blind, and those that others, the others that society had cast off. He brought them into his circle. 
those that were on the margins, instead of dehumanizing them as society had done, Jesus said that they had worth, they had value, and he treated them with dignity. Jesus became a catalyst that transformed lives and communities to be as God intended us to be. This message of how we are to treat one another is so important that Jesus took time, precious, precious time, as he and his disciples gathered together in the upper room. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. And yet human nature as it is, the transformation was not instantaneous. And that's why we have the rest of the New Testament. And so again, let's look at those words that Paul wrote to the early church of Corinth. Now, most of us have probably heard the words of 1 Corinthians 13 at any wedding that we have gone to. It is a very, very common, common chapter. The chapter known as the love chapter, read at many, many weddings. And yet this chapter, it, it does really define what love is. But believe it or not, it was not written for weddings. It was written because the church of Corinth was experiencing intense difficulty in their community. Paul was writing to them to teach them not to take advantage of one another because of the numerous factions and divisions that were present that day. They could not even sit down to a meal and have a meal together without the divisions showing up and being present. Reverend Dr. Dennis Edwards, who is the Associate Professor of North Park Studies at North Park Theological Seminary, states that the Church of Corinth was wrestling with how to commit to being together as God's people. When culture was forced to separate into class and race and cultural division, how in the world was the church to leave that all outside of the doors and come inside and now be one body. Edward states that the question that was facing that early church in Corinth was to love each other well, to love each other well in spite of all of these differences. And they had been taught over and over and over in their life to make sure that the divisions were there. Despise the Samaritans, don't even let them in. Let the lepers, they have to stay outside of the sanctuary and the synagogue. Don't let them in. Men and women were separated in the synagogue. They could not sit together. But Jesus was making it different. And yet the church of Corinth was still struggling with this. And it's like, how do we do this? And they could not sit down at a meal together. Yet this is the very question that is facing the church today as well. How do we love each other well in spite of all the differences that we see in our culture? Edwards goes on to state that the church today struggles in witness because we are so divided in so many ways, the politics just being one of them. 
We are so divided in so many ways because people continue to put labels on one another and people are evaluating what Christianity is by looking at how we in the church as Christians treat one another. Edwards goes on to say, just as they looked at the early church, just as the words of Jesus state, love one another, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Edwards says, that's what's going to happen today. Love is much more than just a feeling inside, though. It has to do and it has to be about preserving community. Jesus was telling his disciples, people will know you, they will know me, they will recognize us, they will recognize Jesus through the love that we display for one another. We have seen the destruction down through the ages, down through history, when love is not the center of relationships with one another when old patterns dominate and acts of marginalizing and even dehumanizing those who are not like us in some way go unchecked. And sadly, we do continue to see this happening around the world in our modern day. Down through history, we have seen the damage of, part of apartheid, of the Holocaust, the genocide that was in Uwanda in 1994, the genocide in Bosnia and Cambodia, Sri Lanka, Miramon, Yemen. Recently discovered the mass graves of the indigenous people in Canada and North America. The genocide in Ukraine. And sadly, the list goes on and on and on. The tensions in the church of Corinth were very small potatoes compared to these. And yet, we continue to see the devastation, the devastating effects of othering played out in our own cities, in our own streets, in our own communities. The senseless and random acts and uh, uh, random attacks and acts of, of violence just because people are different from one another. We continue to see signs and effects of othering being played out even in our own churches, people shunning and people othering one another, pushing them aside, pushing them to the outside. And as we look inside of ourselves, and that is our challenge, to look inside of our own hearts, are we quick to label someone else? Labels of ethnicity, Jew, Greek, Hispanic, Asian, African American, you fill in your own label. Are we quick to label others according to their gender? Are we quick to label others because of their age? Each and every time that we do this, we are othering someone. When it's ourselves and everyone for themselves, when we are involved with the othering, it's my priorities. I'm better than you. I have more rights than you. When we say this or feel this or act it out, when we are angry or hostile toward others, when we diminish or belittle someone or a group of people, 
simply because they're different. We are othering them. And each and every one of us knows the devastating effects of such a train wreck. This is what happens. This is what happens. Imagine that each of those train cars is a person's life. This is what happens when we other them, when we don't follow the commands of Christ. When power and greed take the front stage, images, uh, there is destruction that is left in the wake. Power and greed are there. And so whether you thrive on chemistry or shy away from it, the beautiful thing is that we do not have to love or even understand chemistry or the intricacies of chemistry to embrace the chemistry, the catalyst of God's love. Jesus cut through the old ways of the world, cut through the intent on othering people, cut through the prejudice, all the prejudice of his day, and Jesus became the catalyst for God's love. When we, when you and I are one anothering, working in harmony with one another, living and working and treating one another as Christ would treat them, then we are living into the new commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples. The disciple and the, the, the new commandment that is repeated, repeated, repeated throughout the New Testament. 1 John 3.11, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And Galatians 5.13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Listen again. We're not at a wedding, but listen again to the words and the importance of loving one another, loving one another through the words of 1 Corinthians. I want you to listen carefully. If I, we, understood all of God's secrets, all of God's plans, possessed all knowledge, and if we had such faith that we could move mountains, but did not love one another, we would be nothing. If we gave everything, everything to, that we had to the poor, even sacrificing our own body, we could boast about it. But if we did not love one another and did not love others, we would have gained nothing. Love is kind and patient. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not proud, it is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it does not keep records of being wronged. Love does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. 
These words of 1 Corinthians, words of instructions about loving one another, these can be the catalyst that leads us toward shaping a healthy relationship with others. The catalyst toward Christ-likeness, transforming our lives and our communities to be as God intended them to be. Committed to being together as God's people. Committed to love each other well in spite of our differences. Paul's words to the church at Thessalonica is one of encouragement and is repeating of the instructions. But you don't need to write to, but we don't need to write to you because of the importance of loving each other. For God has taught you already to love one another. And when we individually and corporately live out these instructions that have been given to us, loving one another as Christ has already demonstrated for us, as God has taught us, then we and our witness, we are more and more like Christ and we are more like the image of the starlings. Working, being together as one, in unity, using our freedom in Christ to serve one another in love. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let us pray. Our gracious God, this is a hard and tall order. It seems so simple that we should love one another, and yet it's not. Help us, Lord God, to cast off the old ways of the world that are hurtful, that are harmful to others. Help us to become more and more like you, more as you intended us to be, loving one another as you yourself demonstrated for us. In this we pray. Amen. Amen.